Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 1, we read a parallel to the gospel account that you had here in Matthew, although it's much, much shorter. We read these words. And when he came up out of the water, that is Jesus, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Back in the garden, before there existed this wilderness, which was desolate, before the ground had been cursed, only bringing forth thorns and thistles and food with great toil and labor, there was something so beautiful we can't even begin to describe it, except by what is given in the scriptures. A garden called Eden. And man was placed in this garden to work it. And from the Lord's hand, God provided every need for Adam and what would be Adam's descendants. God looked at his creation after each of those six days and he said, it was good. And then at the very end of the six days, after the pinnacle of his creation, making man and woman in his own image, And male and female, he created them. He looked at all of it and he said, this is very good. That means the tree that was in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, was not bad. It's hard, maybe. I mean, I think it's gotten a bad rep. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is thought of as a bad tree. But it's not. God put it in the garden. God called the tree and all that he had made good. Were Adam and Eve tempted to eat from the tree? It doesn't say they were. Not until they were deceived. Before sin was in the world, before our human nature was corrupted with it, we had obedience and truth. Adam received the word from the Lord, and at this tree, he worshipped. In fact, this tree was almost like an altar where he could proclaim good news. And what was the good news? That God had provided everything they needed to eat. Everything that the beasts needed, everything that the flying birds and the fish of the sea needed to eat, that this tree was not needed to eat, that it was there to serve them as a point of trust, to have faith in God's word, that this tree, if you eat it, would not serve anything good in your life. That God had, in everything else that he had made, provided for all your good. Everything that you could ever need. 
and for every creature. But then it was when the serpent full of guile and deception comes into the midst of the garden and speaks. He does not speak to the man. He speaks to the woman. And he says, did God really say that? And there enters in this thought, this conception in the heart that there could be something different than what God said. It could be something different than the truth which God gave. Now, Adam, you've heard me preach on this before, could have squashed that like a bug. But he chose to remain silent, standing by his wife, and he failed her as a husband. He failed her as her pastor. He failed her as the one to be the mouthpiece of God. And he let the devil lead her astray. And then he joined her. He saw the tempter and he allowed him to have his way. And now temptation is conceived in all of us. James tells us that, that temptation begins in the heart. And then when it gives birth, it gives birth to sin. And eventually when it's grown up, it is death. But God has sent one to this earth, Jesus Christ. The one who saw the events that happened in the garden. Not Jesus, in, but the pre-incarnate Christ. We know from the scriptures that no one has ever seen the Father except the Son. And so it would not be wrong to say that Jesus, as we know him, but pre-incarnate, before he took on flesh, was the one walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, calling out to them. He saw them hiding in their nakedness, afraid, having sown fig leaves for themselves, afraid of God who had done so much for them, made them from the ground, breathed life into them. They were afraid of him now because they had not listened to the truth. They had exchanged truth for a lie. But there we see that he comes to fulfill the word that he spoke first to Satan in the midst of Adam and Eve, that there would be enmity between the offspring of the woman and Satan's offspring. Jesus was sent to crush the head of the serpent. And the serpent would crush his heel, marked in death that we see on the cross. But what's important for us here is to see how the devil tries to tempt. You see, Jesus is the new Adam. Immediately after baptism, we see that Jesus said the heavens were open, torn open. The spirit descended upon him like a dove, anointing him. That is the Christ, the anointed one, to bear the sins of the world. And then this is important. You hear the words of the father. 
This is my son, my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. He was perfect. Jesus was the sinless Lamb of God. He did not have temptation conceived in his heart like we do. And yet he was immediately led out into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Now, you might be thinking, like, maybe I did for a while, a long time. I was like, Jesus only had three temptations. But then Hebrews tells us that he was tempted like us in every way and yet was without sin. But that's why we read the whole Bible, right? Jesus was tempted these 40 days, persistent temptations and attacks of the devil. He wasn't hungry the day after his baptism. Why tempt him with food until the end of his 40-day fasting? But he was constantly being tempted. And at the very end, we see these three pinnacle temptations. All of them show us that temptation's real problem is idolatry. Falling away from the truth and thus not walking in obedience with the will of God, but turning toward our own sinful, selfish nature. Jesus goes out into the wilderness to face the devil for us, to show us what is needed. In this life. We couldn't do it. We are much weaker than we look. We couldn't face the devil on our own strength. That's what you just saying mightily in a mighty fortress. With might of ours cannot be done. Soon were our loss affected. We cannot stand to the temptation of the devil. Because it begins in us now. Our sinful nature. We must be cleansed of our sin and our temptations by the Spirit. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in fact, that God tells us that there is no temptation that has overtaken or overcome uh, us that is not common to man. But that in temptation... The Holy Spirit will provide the way of escape that we may be able to endure it. We're not made to fall to temptation, but to resist it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. God takes these hardened stone hearts and he replaces it with a beating heart of flesh in baptism to help this sinful soul to be cleansed from all iniquity to have a mind set on what is truth so that when we come face to face with the devil or the spawn of Satan we can look we can listen and know what is truth Because the devil is going to use scripture. I've told you this before, but I'll say it again. The devil knows the book, the Bible, better than any of us. 
And look at how the church has fallen to so many schisms in this life. Look at how many have gone this way and that way. Women's ordination here. Praising of homosexuality here. Abortions here. Not rebuking any of these sins which God so clearly lays out in the scriptures. Praising all of them as something good. And the list goes far beyond those three. Look at how quickly it's twisted even within little congregations. How we can start to become gossipers. Say, oh, well, we're just, we're just telling what other people have done wrong. It's not really bad, right? Or how about when we're said to, well, we just need to let bygones be bygones and not ever come back and reconcile together. That's not right. The scriptures can always be twisted. That's what the devil does. He looks at the Christian and he sees that you have, you have been claimed by Christ. You are the children of God. What Jesus heard of the Father, said of him that he was the beloved Son. That is now you because you are in Christ, as you will see in this Lenten series. But that also means that the devil is coming after you to tempt you. But every temptation... Every temptation is just a perversion of what God has made good. God made the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was good. But the devil perverted God's creation. And then we fell into the trap. Look at how much sex has been perverted by our culture. Something that God said was good in the grounds of marriage. For the procreation of children who are supposed to be a heritage and a blessing from the Lord. Ones to be brought to the font and enter in and grow the kingdom of God. But yet, sex has been made perverted. And children are tempted by it. Adults pervert it. It's disgusting. So many things which God made good are made evil by our sin. But I will tell you this. In the midst of temptation, God provides the way out. But it's not by our strength. In the garden, when God gave to Adam his word, he gave to him an infallible word. Something that could not be destroyed. He gave to him the foundation for Adam's strength that could withstand the gates of hell. If Adam would have spoken and said to the devil, No, you shall not take advantage of my wife. But the Lord has said, You shall not eat of this. We do not need this tree for food, we have all other trees. God has provided us eternal life. What could the devil have said? Nothing. 
Because Adam would have spoken the word of truth. In the name of the Lord, he would have cut him off. So too it is for you in your life. After you are baptized, you carry a target on your back. You are being hunted by the devil who seeks to tempt you and mislead you into all sorts of unbelief and other great shame and vice. But the Lord God and his word is your shield. The truth of God's word is what you can lift up in your time of need. And you put that word on your lips and you pray to God for your deliverance and the Lord will deliver you. Because the faith which God has given us, the faith which believes and trusts that his word is true, extinguishes all the flaming darts of the evil one. That does not mean, though, that you will not be made to suffer. I've said that before. But the temptations that come to us are evil. We know that. God tempts no one. But as we are led to face these temptations by the devil, watch how God will use them to refine your faith, to strengthen you and your resolve, because you will be made to consider the word of God. What does God say regarding these things? You will not say, what do I think about this? What does the world's majority say about this? What does my best friend or my family say about this? But you say, what has God actually said about these things? And then you answer. Not twisting the word of God, but letting the word of God interpret itself. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church stands on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The church wields the word of God glorious in battle. The church cannot be overthrown when it stands on the truth. And we, the people of God, walk in obedience to this truth. Jesus was immediately taken up after he was baptized. He had nothing in the wilderness. In fact, it is probably that he was even naked. I mean, we don't know that he had any clothes on after he came out of the baptismal waters. Just like we know he was naked on the cross. But he endured those 40 days without food, without shelter, without clothing, being sustained by the word of God. He commended himself to the word of God, being the word of God in the flesh. And he suffered only those attacks of the devil. But in the end, he won for us victory over the devil. You've seen, you have seen how the devil can be defeated. You have victory over Satan, the accuser, because he will seek to accuse you, to tempt you, to lead you astray. But you have victory in Christ. He did crush the devil. 
In every battle, the devil did not win. But every evil that the devil purposed for us in this world, the Lord God Almighty has used for your good. Just as God will use every temptation that you face, he will use it for your good. Only believe the word of truth. Be obedient to what God has said. And you shall conquer in the fight. And as we hear in the psalm, these words, I pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. When you have exerted every bit, the Lord is already there. It's not try as hard as you may and then the Lord will help you. But the Lord is with you throughout the whole fight. As you sang in both your opening hymn in there and then also in a mighty fortress, we have God Emmanuel. God is with us. He is with us through the battles with the tempter, the accuser, Satan himself. And the Lord is the one who holds the field. The devil will not conquer in the fight. So be strong, courageous. Hold fast the word of truth. Believe in God above all things. And know this, that when you fall, the Lord will show you his grace yet again. He will pick you back up. He will pronounce to you the forgiveness of sins so that again you may hear that you are the beloved child of God and it will be him who brings you out of this fight, out of this wilderness into the new garden of Eden where yet again you will bask in the glory of God for all eternity without fear of sin or of Satan or of even temptation. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.